Well, good morning, everybody. Watching that video makes me want to get on my black and gold BMX bike and go down the street. You know what I mean? With my baseball card in the spoke, you know? Go play some G.I. Joe Cobra! Woo! That's what it makes me feel like when I saw that. When Brantley brought that to me last week, he's like, check this out! And I'm like, oh, I feel so nostalgic. Nostalgic is just a nice way of saying old. I want to give you a quick announcement. How many know on Palm Sunday, we had an offering come in for our Hope Don't Quit building campaign. And I want to bring us up to speed on that because that Palm Sunday, the enemy of this world brought tornado threats. And, um, and we still had a great turnout that day, but a lot of folks weren't here because of the tornado threats. And so um, still people gave, and that's amazing. So I'm gonna give you some, some numbers real quick, and then we're gonna get into today's teaching. And so in January, we said that we had 157,000 in our building fund, and we cast vision for the idea of next spring, about this time, maybe a little before this time, breaking ground and being able to occupy by August 2020, amen? And so if you're a guest, occupy what? We're building a sanctuary out here. You're sitting in the kids' room. This is a kids' church area, right? And so sanctuary in a foyer and redoing a lot of our kids. And if we keep having kids' space more than we need sanctuary space, amen? amen. And if we keep having babies, Pastor Stephanie, <coughs> we're going to get a tent, and us adults are going to have service in the parking lot, and we'll take care of our children up in here, Amen. And so, but we said that we had 157,000 and that we wanted to hit 200,000 by Palm Sunday and that we would do a big Palm Sunday, hope don't quit. God didn't quit on us and people didn't quit in supporting the ministry all these years that you're walking in now and we're not gonna quit on the next generation. And so we were gonna bring that one-time big gift on Palm Sunday. We all didn't wait for Palm Sunday. It was so neat. People began even that week starting to give gifts and, and yes, on Palm Sunday, people brought their gifts too. But as all that was added up, those one-time large gifts. This is amazing. You ready for this? 62, over $62,000 came in. Amen. That's awesome. Take that, tornado. 218,000. So that puts us at $218,861.80. That's pretty amazing. And I'm so, as we had announced that what our plan was, bring your largest gift possible so we can hit that 200,000 mark, which we have exceeded, praise the Lord. But then what we would do, that would allow us to go ahead and secure our architect and secure our contractor. Pastor Brantley and I have already met with one architect just to begin talks, just to see if they're the right choice for us. And so we have begun to move in motion because you guys have been so faithful and obedient. And so on that Palm Sunday, a lot of people weren't here. So if you weren't here and you want to give that one-time gift today, please do so. Um, also that day, people turned pledges in. And so those pledges are to get us to that 300000 or more mark by December. Again, that's that second marker for us to be able to break ground next spring. And so with that being at $218,861.80, at that point, that means we have about 81,000 to go. And so here's what's neat. The pledges that have come in, we have about $44,000 in pledges already. Amen? Why do I feel like a televangelist? $44,000 in pledges already. 
So, but we can do more. No, uh, God can do more. And so here's what we're looking at. $37,225. That's all that needs to come in to hit that $300,000 mark. And what's awesome about that in those pledges, we know that can happen even today. And so as you leave, if you miss Palm Sunday because of the weather, as you leave today, a couple things we want you to do is grab a pledge card from an usher on your way out. Give the largest one-time gift that you possibly can get. That's what we've all been doing. And then a pledge for nine months up until December. So it takes how many months to birth a baby? No, not if you are Stephanie. <laughs> nine months in a week. That's what it takes. But if you ask, it's nine months. And so in <laughs> December, um, you know, we would love to be able to have those pledges all fulfilled by December, but we want to know what we can expect. So please, by faith, go make that pledge. And then here's what we're doing. If you have ever given to this building project, to get into this property, okay? Because a lot of you have been faithful to get us here, amen? If you've ever given to the building project at all, then you embrace the hope, don't quit concept, amen? And if you are new to this, praise the Lord, or if today you're making that commitment or next week, what we want you to do is go out into the foyer again, those who have already given, all right? Some of you have given till it hurts. And so those that have already given, we want to include you in this. We have a wall, it says hope out there, and we wanna get a picture of you. So when service is over, go out, get a picture. If you've ever given to the building project or if you're giving now, getting ready to give, we wanna get a picture and fill that wall of hope and allow us just to know those are people who are committed. I don't care if it's five or 50,000, it doesn't matter. Whatever it is, $10, $100, whatever it is, we want you on that, amen? And, um, and get pictures of your little ones too, because I'm taking max allowance. I'm taking it. And Arden, she's not gonna have anything until, until she goes to kindergarten, because we're taking it all for Jesus. Amen. So we want pictures of them as well up there on the board because they're committed as well. And so that's where we're at. Amen. Can you give God some praise? Yeah. Just remember, the big foyer after service is where you take your card, and that's where you get your pictures taken out there at the big big foyer. I want you to open your Bibles this morning. Open over to Ephesians chapter 2. We're starting a new series. This series is called Squad Goals, Squad Goals. And, um, and along the lines of this, I want you to understand the next few weeks how important relationships are. Now, these are relationships that you have at church. <laughs> these are relationships that you have with your family. These are relationships that you have with your enemies. Come on. Anybody have some adversaries? <laughs> oh, no, I just love everybody and everybody loves me. That's not true, is it? No, no, no. And so all the way relationships work over the next really about five, six weeks, we're going to be looking at this. We'll obviously have Mother's Day in there too, and we'll have Father's Day in there too, but we're going to hone in on this. And here's the reason why. Don't miss this. The course and the quality of life is not just determined by who we are, okay? The course and quality of your life and our lives is not just determined by who we are. It is equally impacted by who we are with. But who you're with, that impacts your life as much as who you are, isn't it? Or doesn't it? And so that's what we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks. What does it look like with those that you're with? And we're calling that your squad. How many's heard that term squad before? Yeah, yeah, a few of you. I had a, a, one of our younger staff leaders about a year ago say, man, we, we should look at the idea of squad goals. And, and, um, and I wasn't sure exactly what squad meant because, again, I'm getting older. Amen? 
And so begin to look at it and understand it. And man, it's true. I want a squad. I want people that I'm connected with. And so a squad is an informal group of individuals with a common identity, something that we rally around, and a sense of purpose and concern for each other. That's your squad. So you may have a squad that is your family. You may have a squad that is those you work with. You may have a squad that is your journey group, your small group. You may have a squad that's your ministry team. If, if you're a guest here, man, can we give thanks for God and our worship team? I'm telling you, if you're, if you're a guest, you don't realize that's just one of four full bands, one of full four worship teams at this house. It blows my mind what God has given to this place. It's almost as if he wants us to build a sanctuary, not for the sanctuary's sake, but to begin sending churches and teams all over the region. Amen? That's what it feels like to me, all those that God has brought in here. And so with that, that team, that's a squad. And every week there's a different squad and they, they watch out for each other. They got a team shepherd. They got somebody that watches out for their group each week and, and is there for them. And so that sense of purpose and concern is important. And, and you may say, you know, pastor, it's not about, about anybody but me. I just do life on my own. I can get by on my own. I can go, pastor, as far as I can dream. Can I tell you, <clears throat> I don't think so. Hey, man, there we go. Ah. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think you can go as far as you can dream. Listen, you don't go as far as your dream. You go as far as your team, amen? Don't miss that. I had a dream to come to, Momentum, to, to Woodstock, Georgia and start a church. And had I come with Amy, now that's the thing about church planting. I helped a lot of churches get started in, in Georgia. And most of the time, it's a husband and a wife. And you know what? When it's just a husband and a wife and there's not much more team, when the wife ain't happy with the husband, 50% of that church plant's church is mad at them. We brought Jared and Charla along just to water down the frustrations. You know what I mean? So only 25% of the church would be upset with me half the time. But truth of the matter is, man, Jared and Charla, what an addition to the team, amen? And we asked them to come down. This is, I can't even believe, 14 years ago, they came with us, left a, a ministry that they were part of full-time for about three years, came down here to start this church. And momentum wouldn't be what it is, even though I had a dream. It wouldn't be what it is without a team. It wouldn't. And the next thing you know, the Lord, about eight years ago, brought Corey down here with us, you know, and brought, oh my word, Pastor Stephanie. I can remember when she was just a young, I used to call her a kid all the time. I can't, she's gonna have a baby now. I can't call her a kid anymore. But, um, but, 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 but she, man, at this lake, we were there praying as her team and she's just young. I don't even know if she was 20 yet, 21 maybe. And she's just crying going, I know God's gonna use us. I know God's gonna have me be a part of this and God's gonna do great things. And I'm here to tell you right now, you're sitting in the midst of great things. That a young 20, 21 year old got the vision for and jumped in and got involved. And, and I could go on and on down, Pastor Brantley, oh my word. I mean, we would not be who Momentum Church is without Pastor Brantley and Hannah, amen? Don't you miss Mother's Day. Amen. Hannah Johnson is bringing the word of God on Mother's Day. If you ever had any time with Hannah, just one-on-one, -on -one, a little bit of talking, man, that woman has full of just wisdom and such. She matches, she surpasses Pastor Brantley. I mean, she's, she's amazing. All those guys married up for sure. And Marvin, Bettina, I mean, just like, and I, and I know I'm missing people because here's the thing, truth of the matter is, if you serve here at this church, tap yourself on the back because you're part of the dream team, amen? 
You're part of a movement. You're part of something that is making a difference and bringing hope to people. And so, yes, you could say, man, I can do this on my own. I got a dream, but no, no. Nothing really happens without a squad. Nothing really happens without a team. You don't go as far as your dream. You go as far as you are. Everybody say team. You know, and I think often, especially in our culture, we glorify individualism. We glorify them as heroes, individuals. You know, when it comes to like personal achievement, we'll look at somebody like Amelia Earhart and we're blown away by what she was able to accomplish in all her flights, you know? Um, people like Steve Jobs in the business arena. And we elevate the individual as almost a technological hero. The film industry, Steven Spielberg, amazing, you know? Um, um, when it comes to religious leaders, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, um, Billy Graham, all these people are amazing, but here's the thing about it. They're amazing because they had powerful teams behind them that helped them achieve their purpose. You would never have a Billy Graham without the people that worked in that organization behind him. Amen? You, you would never have a Martin Luther King Jr. without a Ralph Abernathy, without somebody else that was behind him in the plan, in the work. And, and, and that's how it is. And every one of these you would see without Wozniak, Steve Jobs, not Steve Jobs, um, um, Bill Gates would have been a joke, right? I mean, without those different leaders and minds, like around them, it's a team that makes the dream work. But we are often quick to elevate the individual and forget that their memorable achievements were forged in the fires of community, amen? 99.9% .9 of achievements, much like <clears throat> stats are made up on the spot, but 99.9% .9 of great achievements, successes, healthy living, all those kinds of things come out of a community of people helping each other and working together. It's never about just one person alone. You know what? Lone Ranger, he had himself a tonto, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. You know, um, Michael Jordan, he had himself a Scottie Pippen and a Dennis Rodham. Amen? Rodman, Rodman, and, and, and Horace Grant. And I'm trying to think of some of the other guys. What was the big, the big Australian fella? Y'all are as bad at basketball as I am. That's been, that's been too many years ago, huh? But there was a team that made them champions, not just Jordan alone. And here's one that's awesome. Luke Skywalker, he had Chewbacca, he had Han Solo, he had C-3PO and R2-D2, amen? He had, a, he had a, hey, Jared, can you do Chewbacca for me? Oh, he's in the other room. You ought to hear, everybody find Pastor Jared and ask him to do Chewbacca. It's really rich. Let's stand to our feet. I want to look at what God's word has to say concerning this today. Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22. It says this, and I, and I am, I'm a little amped about this because I just know what God does when people start to, to connect with each other. I know the amplification of, and the multiplication of that kind of commitment to each other. It makes a huge difference. It says, therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, verse 13 sounds a little bit like our Easter celebration last week. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off, you've been brought near by the blood of Christ. That ought to make you get real happy right there. 
For he himself is our peace. Now watch this. Who has made us both one. Do you see that? There's an us and a one. There's a, a compound and a unity. There's uh, two people, but it's not just two or two groups. Man, we're one. And he's broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two. So making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Watch this, verse 17. And he came and he preached peace to those who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Now, obviously, speaking of the Jewish people, the Gentile people, we all together, there's this power of coming together, but we have access to the, the, the Spirit, to the Father. We all have that. Verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with, with, not alone, but with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined, everybody shout together. together, being joined together. How do we grow? It says here, being joined together grows into a holy temple. How do we grow? Do we grow alone or do we grow together? Yeah, we grow together. Being joined, shout it one more time, real loud, together. That, that's, that's this idea of a squad, if you will. And we grow into the temple of the Lord. In him you also are being built. Together. Being built. Together. One more time, being built. Together. Into a dwelling place. Mm. For God by the Holy Spirit. I want Momentum Church to be a dwelling place for the presence of the Lord. Amen? And when we get this right, when we get community right, when we get together right, God shows up in the midst of that. Yes, he does. Amen? Go ahead and have your seat if you would. High five somebody on the way down. Man, you guys did that real good. I could hear all the smacks. That's good. This is just showing us that God has always had an intention for us to be together. He's always had this idea that he has created us for collaboration. He hasn't created us just for independency. He created us to work together. He even says that we are co-laborers with him. Ain't that crazy? That God, a God that doesn't need the help of nobody, he is God all by himself. He can do anything he wants to do, yet he does it together with us. Even he has ordained his own culture, his own nature, his own government to say, I'm not going to just do it. I'm going to co-labor with you. Amen? And we get the privilege of being co-labors with Christ. That just shows it's in the nature, the government of God for us to have collaboration. And that's how he created us. Yes, we are made in his image. But guess what? We are not God. Amen? God has that compound unity. He's all sufficient all by himself. We are not, although we are made in his image, God needs nothing. We need a lot. Amen? We need each other. When God created Adam and Eve, he said this. Look, Genesis 2, 18. Then God said to him, it is not good, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. And as much as I tease Amy, oh my word, she is so fit for me. You know, amen? Amen, amen. Right? Okay. For me, I think is what she was wondering. I got worried for a second. I think she was wondering, but am I fit? Is he fit for me? I think is what she was wondering. But, but through the years, we've developed a squad, you know? Five kids, 
you know, a, a ministry here that we average about 4.30 on a Sunday morning between the two services, you know. This is part of our squad, but, but this squad here at church isn't what has shaped me as much as that squad at home, you know. She, she and that, those kids, they have literally made me who I am. I mean, when it comes to the greatest joys that I experience, they happen in that home. And, and here's what's wild. Less than two weeks from now, I get a home office. Woo! Man, you don't know me. You don't know what that means. My daughter's getting married, and one of five is moving out. Mm. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm going to miss her. But I'm going to love my home office. <laughs> I am. I really am. But there's no greater joy than what I receive from, from home, you know. There's no greater thrill of accomplishment than what I receive from home. There's nothing that causes me to experience the need for patience than what I experience at home. Amen. Perseverance. <laughs> Last night, I don't know what it is on Saturdays, the devil gets in Arden. I tell you this ever so often, but it's becoming, can you all begin to covenant in prayer and intercession for your pastor? Because I put her to bed about 7.30 on Saturday nights, and I just want to get before Jesus, you know, just seek the Lord on my face, humbly, amen? And all I can hear is, nah! You know, she just goes nuts. And so pray for, pray for my patience and my perseverance, but that squad at home, it shapes me, amen? And we need to be shaped by other people as well. Proverbs 27, 17 says it this way. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You, you can't get sharp all by yourself, amen? Amen? If there's one dull knife in a drawer, 10 years later, guess what's in that drawer? One dull knife, Amen? It takes that knife, rubbing up against another knife. It takes that knife, iron sharpening iron, in order for something to happen. And so how sharp I am literally is determined by the people that I'm, I'm rubbing up against, I'm doing life with, I'm connecting with, you know? <clears throat> and so here's the thing. You need to keep connected to the right people. And that may sound like I'm saying, like, you need to be connected. you got to get connected to the prestigious people. That's not what I'm saying. You got to get connected to the to the important people. No, I'm not saying that. It's not about prestige. It's about purpose. It's not about prestige. It's about productivity. It's not about prestige. It's about principles that you're building a life on, and you will never have those things meted out. Purpose, and you'll never have those things meted out as far as principles in your life. It just won't happen if you're all by yourself. Just doesn't happen unless you work with a squad. And so, no, it's not about the, the right people being like the, the important people and this people. Don't chase that. Chase some people that you know are there for you, both in the good and the bad. They'll speak the praise, but they'll also speak the correction as well. Amen. This is so neat. Yesterday, men's breakfast. What an amazing men's breakfast yesterday as we begin to talk about just the things that we face in life and how God gets us through them. And a new friend was there. His name's Tony. He was invited by a person from Momentum and the guy showed up and Tony, oh my word. Tony years ago wasn't a believer and him and his wife divorced and he went on about his life and, and, and somehow in the midst of his life, the Lord got a hold of him when he was, was a drunk and God touched him and God saved him. And then he found out 15 years later that his wife, he went to visit his girls. And when he went to visit, she just didn't seem right, the wife. And so next thing you know, the girls get dad aside and says, mom has early onset dementia. 
And he's on his way back to Georgia from Louisiana. And as he's coming home, the Lord speaks to him and says, go quit your job and go take care of your ex-wife. So Tony quit his job. Didn't know what he was going to do. And he went over to to, um, Covington, Louisiana and began to take care of his ex-wife. And long story short, she and her stupor, she couldn't tell who he was, all those kinds of things. But slowly things started happening. And, and then he ended up going to a revival service. And at this church service, the pastor began to pray for him. And, and he told him, my wife needs a healing. My ex-wife needs touch. You know? And they put oil in the man's hands. And they prayed for him and, and blessed him and said, go pray for your wife. And he said, pastor, it was like I couldn't even pull my hands apart. Now, mind you, could God have touched Tony in Georgia? Yes, but God told Tony to go to Louisiana. And Tony responded, and God told Tony, he got connected to this older couple who said, come to our church, and he went. And God told Tony, connect with your your daughters and your ex-wife, and he connected. And and this is kind of an unseemly, weird kind of squad going on here. But in the midst of that, he said, for two minutes, I couldn't even pull my, and he's a big guy. Two minutes, I couldn't even pull my hands apart, you know? And he said, I got home, and he goes, I don't even know how to pray in public. And I, I laid hands on my wife. She's there. She's asleep. And for an hour, I just spoke words over just spoke life over her you know and he said she said he said that about an hour, two hours later she wakes up from her nap and she with the clarity that you could never imagine said to him thanks for doing what you're doing for me it dropped jaw he could not believe it the tests were showing that her brain was at 36 percent um 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 not working i kept trying to think of deterioration somebody said it thank you <clears throat> so 36 percent deterioration now is at 12% deterioration. Amen? Isn't that awesome? Check this out. His daughters are starting to turn toward the Lord. His one daughter was living with the guy, and she got married because she told her, her they have a baby, and they've been together a long time, and she said, Dad, we've seen your faith, and we know we want to make this honorable to God, and so we're getting married, and they got married. Come on. All because a guy decided to squat up, if you will, with an ex-wife and his kids, and what God was doing that moment man we had a time yesterday in men's group and the people left there going man if God can work something like that out God can do anything he needs to do in my life amen and so that's a good thing to gather around a group like those men it's a good thing to have a small group it's a good thing to have some people that can sow into your life and an environment where you can hear some amazing stories like that Proverbs 13 20 talks about another environment okay and sometimes this is what happens it says whoever walks with the wise becomes wise But the companion of fools will suffer harm. You see that? Man, yesterday we got to walk with the wise. And there's some people there that were yesterday that was hearing that and realizing their situation's tough too. But you know what? We're not going to act like fools. We're going to hear that man's story and realize we're going to move after the spirit and after God's leading, after the principles of the scripture. And we're going to hold fast through our hard times and we're going to watch God bring his glory. Amen. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Now listen, this isn't calling the person a fool. It doesn't say you're a fool. It says the companion of fools, right? Because you know, we're never a fool. They are, we're not. Mama, I'm just going to hang out with those guys, but they're the crazy ones. But you know you can trust me, Mama. I'm good. Yeah, we remember how that was from our own youth, right? You know how it is. A teenage boy on his own might do something stupid. A teenage boy with a group of teenage boys will do something stupid. Ain't that the truth? Something happens when we're companioning with, with fools. You know, well, Mama Johnny did it first. Well, if Johnny jumped off a would you follow? Yeah, you know, we've all heard that before, right? 
So just listen, your success or failure is determined by the quality of your squad. Amen? And you need people in your life that you can be with, but you also need people in your life that you can build with. There's people in your life that, yeah, you're with and you hang with, but they're not building you. You need to find a squad. Just diss them. No, I'm just saying you need to find a squad that you're not just being with, but you need to find a squad that you are building with. You know, people who, who won't just hang with you, but you need people who also help you. Amen? It's good having people hang, but you need people who will help. And Genesis 2.18, it said, it said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper. Not just someone to hang with, but I'll make a helper. You know, I'm going to tell you guys, some men, some young men that are married, listen to me. Your wife is supposed to help you. You're not supposed to just hang with her. And there's times that she's going to drive you crazy in those early years of marriage, but she's trying to work the boy out of you. You understand me? When you go off and you're just hanging with the guys, I'm sorry when you get home, if your wife just hung with you too, and that's all it ever was, and she never challenged you, you would never become the man that you're supposed to be. And someday you're going to have children, and your children need a daddy, not a boy. And that early wife, God's going to use her. And I know it's driving you crazy because it drove me crazy too. But God was using her to help me. Amen? Thank you, Amy. I don't need as much help anymore, so. (laughs) We can just take a break, maybe. So, (laughs) what does it look like when you hang with, and what does it look like when you're helping? When, When someone's just hanging with you, they're always agreeing with you. You know, they only see your best. You're the man, high five. And usually the hanging relationships are real shallow. But when somebody's helping you, they run up against you at times. When somebody is helping you, they pull the best out of you. And sometimes it pulls the best out of you right past your own indifference. Sometimes they try to pull the best out of you right after your own objections. They're trying to pull the best out of you right up out of your frustrations. But they're going to ha- be with you through the long run because they're trying to help you, not just hang with you. Amen? And we as a church need to do that. When people go through things, I, I, wanna, I want the campers to come up. Come up here, guys. If you saw that young couple here at that altar just a little bit ago, why they were here is because Josh is getting ready. I won't say what country, but he's getting ready to be deployed for a year. A year. Man. God bless you, buddy. So they're up here. I mean, they're just, oh, they're just grieving. I mean, this is, this is what he signed up for. He knows he is not his own. Government bought him with a price. And he serves proudly, you know. And so can you stretch your hands toward Josh and Caitlin? They got three beautiful little girls, just such dolls. And let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for our brother, Lord. And we ask that you go with Josh and that you keep him safe. Lord, thank you for what he's doing in that country on behalf of freedom. Thank you for what he's doing, Lord God, for our lives here in the States. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you give her peace. And the girls, just comfort them as daddy's gone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's the thing with Josh and Caitlin. Caitlin needs us now more than ever. Amen. You saw her face, women. Amen. She needs a squad around her. And I don't know how deep her squad is. Um, Amy probably already knows how deep her squad is. But she needs some people around her. Amen. And um, I tried something new today. And I just realized how that works. 
I'm really trying to be committed to a 35-minute time limit today. Isn't that cool? And so I had it set for 30, and I just thought it would stop. But no, it's got to tell everybody, Ross has five more minutes. <laughs> Say, preach fast, pastor. Preach fast. No. So, Amy, help me before I throw this. I need your help now. I need your help now. I don't need you to remind me to paint the porch. I mean, good night. I hate it when they remind you like every six months to do something. It's ridiculous. Just good night. That's just too often. Listen, even Jesus, he practiced this principle. Before Jesus fully launched into his ministry, he gathered himself a squad. Before you begin to see him really moving in the fullness of ministry, he gets some men with him. Watch what it says in Luke 6, 12. In these days, he went out to the mountains to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, and James, and John, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, that's the good Judas, and Judas Iscariot, not the good Judas, who became a traitor, but God chose him too. Before the end of the series, we're going to look at the Judases in our lives, amen? If we're squatting up at times, there's some Judases in there, and we're going to deal with how God uses those to bless us and to strengthen us. But I want you to see two things in this. Number one, he continued in prayer to God. That's the place to start. As you leave here today, God, help me to find my squad. Lord, please, maybe it's at the journey group, maybe it's a ministry team, maybe it's somebody in my family, maybe it's the people at work, but Lord, help me find those, have it already, pray, just be with, Lord, help me. Will you start praying for a squad? If you don't already have it already, pray for one. If you do have a squad, pray for your squad. Lord, let us be who you've called us to be, amen? So that's the first thing, but prayer is useless if you don't take the next step. It says that he continued in prayer to God, and when day came, he called and he chose, and he says he called his disciples. There's a bunch of them. Then out of those, those disciples, he chose 12 to be those apostles, to be those closer leaders. And you even know that amongst those, Peter, James, John, he even drew in even closer. Jesus believed in squads. Amen? And so what will keep you from taking action in regards to finding your squad? What might be that big thing that'll keep you from doing that? And I'm going to tell you, it's the same thing we started with. It's individualism. You know, we celebrate the individual, but the individualism, that mindset can also rob us from finding our squad. Individualism is the habit or principle of being independent and self-reliant. Well, Ross, those are good principles. Yes, they are. But you know how the enemy of our heart is. He always takes the best and tries to use it against us. It's just how the enemy of our heart works. He, 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 he twists the truth. And so when it comes to the idea of individualism, often we will not embrace a squad because of the two-sided coin of individualism. And the two sides are insecurity and ego. Insecurity and ego. And so today I just want to challenge you to think about this this week. Could one of these two be what's keeping you from squatting up, from connecting with people? Insecurity. I have no value to add to a squad. 
There's nothing really I have to offer that team. There's nothing I really could offer kids ministry. There's nothing really I could offer a journey group. I have no value to add. If I get too close, maybe this is the insecurity. If I get too close to people, they'll see my weaknesses. Do you hear the insecurity in that? That's individualism. And the enemy would love you to be robbed of squatting with people, connecting with people so that you can build on your life. He would love for that, people to see my weakness. That side of the coin of individualism to rob you, causing you to just, I don't want people to see my weaknesses. The second side of that coin is ego. I don't need anybody. I can do it on my own. Others only hold me back. Amen. You know what they call people that live in their marriage like that? Divorces, right? No, you need to drop the ego. You need to drop the, the, the insecurity and run into that relationship with what God has for you. A true squad, they will challenge you through both of those extremes. My, my squad, the journey group I go to, those guys, some people are like, oh, you picked your closest friends and made a journey group. No, I, I picked a couple guys that, that I've had life with and next thing you know, they became my closest friends. And the thing about it is they challenge me through my insecurities and they challenge me through my ego, you know? And so with it, it's kind of a joke amongst us that one of them moves in truth to a fault almost. Another one of them moves in grace to a fault almost. And then one of us moves in power to a fault almost, you know? And, but when we come together, we help temper each other and we begin to see what it looks like to move in power, grace, and truth. Isn't that awesome? And that's the guys that I do life with every single week for years now. And they challenge me. And it's important for that. Let me ask a question. How many remember in Sunday school, you had that little, here's the church and here's the steeple. Remember that? I need one guy to come up here. If you remember that, come up here. Come on, quick, 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 quick. Come on. Oh, you guys are so shy. Somebody get yourselves up here. Come here, Bill. Stand on my left side, brother. Stand over here on this left side. There you go. So when it comes to it, <laughs> there was a little boy and he was in Sunday school class and his teacher was teaching one day and she was illustrating this idea and she's had all the children. She said to him, you know, everybody here is the church. Let's see how you do it. Yes. And here is the steeple. Yep. And, and, and then you open it up and there's all the, there's all the people. Well, she's midway through it and she realized, oh crud, there's a little Philip. Philip only has one hand. It's not funny. He chuckled. <laughs> Your squad needs to whoop you. But the teacher realized it and she thought, oh, and she looks to the back of the room and she sees another little guy going like this. Here's the church. Here's the steeple. <laughs> oh, we got those backwards. We did. We did. Steeple. Open it up. And there's all the people. And the teacher, amen, give, give Bill some thanks. Thanks, Bill. His hands, that half of the church was huge. Made me feel like a, a child. Um, but, but with that, that other child had grabbed a hold of that boy's hand, you know? And together, they were able to show what it looks like to be the church, amen? And that's what it's about, guys, together. We are no longer strangers and aliens together. We are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God together. Jesus is our cornerstone in whom the whole structure is being joined. Shout together. It grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you are also being built into a dwelling place 
for God by his spirit. Amen? Isn't that inspirational? Yeah, together. And that's what squad goals are. They're inspirational things that we as a group of friends, we grab a hold of life together and we accomplish in our own lives and for others. Remember what I said as I close. The course and the quality of your life is not just determined by who you are. It is impacted by who you are with. I challenge you, pray, act, and then stay close to those people, even when it gets difficult. Jesus, in your name, I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of this church. I thank you that you're going to do it with us as we draw closer together. In your name, Jesus, amen. Give God some praise. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.